Witness protection can't erase his past. This is Nailgun Messiah, the first book in the Micah Reed series. One novel, read to you a chapter at a time. Join us each week for a new installment of the story and get the book at jimheskett.com forward slash nailgun podcast. And now, the host and author, Jim Heskett. Wow, you're still here. Just kidding. I knew you guys would be back. You can't resist. Anyway, thanks for joining me on this show. This is Nailgun Messiah, episode three, but we're going to be reading part two of the text today, and that's pretty exciting. Our, our reading last week was kind of a long one as an introduction. The, the installments will likely be a little more shorter. I'm thinking our episodes are going to be about 15 to 20 minutes for each time. And normally what I will do at the beginning is do some kind of recap of the story so far. But since I'm releasing a bunch of these at once at the beginning, um, I'm not going to I'm gonna skip all that. So today's episode will be super duper short. But I just wanted to say thanks everybody for being here. Um, and if you uh, wanted to know more about me, you can go to jimheskett.com. And at the top of the page there, if you enter your email address, you get two books for free. One of those being the prequel to Nailgun Messiah, which is pretty sweet. It's a full-length novel called Airbag Scars, and plus another book for free. And then that adds you to my mailing list, and you get all kinds of cool stuff. Like I email out short stories you know, that are exclusive to the mailing list and, and whenever I'm running a sale or announcing a new book. So if you like the Micah Reed, uh, this Micah Reed book, Nailgun Messiah, and you want to know when books in the rest of the series are coming out, that's a pretty sweet way to do it. Um, really, I guess that's kind of the only way to do it because it's not like I'm – I don't go out in the street and shout it so you couldn't like be in my neighborhood and find out when the book was coming out. Anyway, so <laughs> – I've rambled enough, so let's go ahead and get into our reading this week. On the way to Netherland, Micah tried to brainstorm a dozen or more reasons not to go, and he ran each one past Boba Fett. Boba held his little plastic tongue, and so Micah found himself trudging up Canyon Road and Boulder, inching along the winding street toward that little hippie commune of a thousand residents. Magda would not be happy to see him. They hadn't spoken since before the trial. She'd cut him out of her life long before that mess as a result of years of bubbling tension, finally brought to a boil during one of Micah's last visits home, four or five Christmases ago maybe, he couldn't remember anymore. She would never let him forget the selfish mistake he'd made that had put her in danger over ten years ago now, and rightfully so. Why am I doing this? Micah asked the dashboard. In some ways, that drug dealer's pursuit of him was an excuse. Micah knew that. Maybe half a decade of not speaking with Magda would open the door for a way to heal the old wound. Part of Micah's sobriety was making amends for the things he'd done to hurt people, and his sister was high on that list. But he didn't know anything about who she was now, even. She lived in a house with a bunch of other people, like some kind of co-op, Maybe she was an artist or possibly an organic farmer? Micah entered Netherland well past midnight. The tiny town sat in a bowl, surrounded by foothills running up to mountain peaks. The Eldora Ski Resort was a mile or so past town. 
White strips of the ski runs broke the otherwise solid green mass of trees blanketing the mountainside, a snowy triangle looming above Netherland. Lights from dozens of houses dotted the foothills of the mountains around town. He passed the reservoir that marked the beginning of Netherland proper and scouted around for a motel. Dropping by her house this late would not be the best move. After driving along quiet streets for a half hour and not seeing anything, he parked on a dark and barren dirt road, got out a sleeping bag out of the trunk, and tried to get comfortable in the back seat. A few hours later, Micah awoke, shivering from the cold when morning lightened his car. Frosty condensation obscured the inside of his windows. He rubbed his elbow against the glass until he could see outside. In a snowy valley to his left, a herd of deer were standing dead still, steamy jets of air pluming from their nostrils as the only motion near them. Micah got out, stretched, and slid into the driver's seat. He drove into town and found a coffee shop to get a bagel. The woman at the counter was wearing earth-toned coveralls with a tank top underneath that showed off the tattoos covering most of her exposed flesh, and she had dreadlocks tied up in a messy bun on top of her head. Not the kind of uniform and clean dreads you'd get at a salon. These were grungy chunks of coagulated hair sprouting from her scalp. Colorado mountain people usually had a certain look to them, like a perfect marriage of blue-collar worker and sun-worshipping tree-hugger. He munched his bagel, sipped his coffee, and checked his phone to see if Allison had returned his voicemail. She hadn't. The most likely reason was that she'd skipped town when she realized how mad Seth would be about her losing all that cocaine. She was a clever woman. No reason to think she'd blindly wait for that steel cage to slam shut. Not like Micah, who'd let the drug dealer jam a screwdriver into his leg, as if he'd invited it. After breakfast, he stopped at a drugstore to get a real bandage and hydrogen peroxide for the still-sore cut. The street sign next to the crosswalk read, Nedestrian Crossing. Then he headed out to Caribou Road to find the house and his pulse rose with each tick of the odometer. Half a dozen different scenarios of how the meeting with his sister would go flicked before his eyes. The one he hoped for the most, the tearful reunion, was also the least likely. But, as he drove along Caribou Road and craned his neck to find the turnoff, he became more and more sure that this needed to happen. That he was doing the right thing. That the moment he saw Magda, it would be the first time in nearly three years that he would have spoken to anyone from his life before the trial. His first connection with family in a long time. Maybe this was the cure for the lingering loneliness that had plagued him ever since moving to Denver. Or, maybe not. He spotted the house through a sliver of trees as Caribou started to wind up a mountain road. A snowy path off to the side ended at a rusty metal gate, and he got out to open it. The house number 1623 was painted on a board nailed to a tree nearby. A little pile of snow rested on top of the sign. Micah hopped out and pushed back the gate, but when he returned to the car, he froze. Couldn't press on the gas pedal. What the hell am I doing here, he said to Boba Fett, who was now sitting in the cup holder. Is this the kind of thing I'm going to tell myself later that I should have known better? Back when he was still in the government's program, contacting family was absolutely forbidden. Now that he'd voluntarily dropped out, doing this was still a bad idea, but no one could tell him not to. An urge for the familiar arose. Magda was up here in the mountains, secluded, anonymous. 
she had little online presence. Would contacting her put her in the line of fire? Before Micah could answer that question, a head popped out between two trees. Magda. She'd cut her hair short, barely above her collarbone, but Micah had no trouble recognizing her. She had their mother's proud chin and button nose, same as always. She was clutching a bundle of sticks in her arms, squinting at the car. Micah remembered his tinted windows and his hand hesitated at the door. Whatever came next, there was no turning back now. He opened the car door and stepped out into the crunchy snow, and Magda dropped the wood in her arms as the whites of her eyes gleamed in the morning sun. Her chest heaved up and down as recognition lit up her face. She gasped. What? Is that you? Micah didn't know if he should smile or nod or what to do next. He left his car running in front of the gate and took a few steps through the trees toward his sister. Hey, sis. He tried to sound cool and unaffected like a big brother should, but he could hear the unease in his tone. Been a while, right? Tears streamed down her face as she narrowed the distance between them. Michael, she said. I thought you were dead. Michael, not Micah. Explaining his new name was going to take some time, but that could wait. A long confession over a cup of coffee in town. In a way, I, I was dead. It's been a long way getting here. He stepped up onto the bank next to the driveway, and she threw her arms around him. Then, she held him out at arm's length and slapped him across the jaw so hard that he felt like she'd smacked him with a frying pan. Okay, folks, uh, that's our reading for this week. Thanks for coming along on this journey. I hope you're enjoying yourselves. If not, then, well, you know, uh, you could probably find a better way to spend your time. But let's not think about that. Let's think positive things. I hope you're enjoying yourself and that you're going to come back for the next episode. And I will see you guys very soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's installment of Nailgun Messiah. Be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes and tell your friends about it. Don't deprive them of this show. Go to www.jimheskit.com forward slash nailgunpodcast for information. And we'll see you next week.